0: Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I am your host, Reese Patterson.
1: And I'm your co-host Francesco Colosimo.
0: And we are here with a special episode. Uh, we are here with Danica Faka and Becky Horst from the Society of Graduate Students. Welcome. Um, so first things first. Uh, why don't you both tell us a little bit about yourself and your roles at the Society of Graduate Students?
2: Yeah, so like I was introduced, my name's Becky. I am the VP Finance for the Society of Graduate Students. So I get to do a lot of the back end fun stuff with all of the money and number crunching for SOGs um, with the great help of our finance manager. I also help out with managing the grad club, which Hopefully we will be able to open soon. We're aiming for July for patio season. So look forward to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, usually just managing finances and promoting the grad club is kind of the, the central tenets to what I do as VP Finance.
3: Becky really undersold herself. She also does a lot with upper administration um, with like our financial stuff. Come on, Becky.
2: <laughs> sure, I get I get to schmooze with some of the the higher ups at Western and try to get them to bend to our will, but you know how well that works sometimes.
0: <laughs> well, we thank you very much for your work with the grad club. For without the grad club, uh, the Western student experience, I don't think would be the same. We all bond over grad club uh, brew. You know, <laughs> the classic, the cheap.
3: <laughs> all right, and. Yeah, uh, so not like Becky, I don't touch the money, so, um, but I get to oversee uh, the academic committee, which puts on the annual Western Research Forum. So it's the largest interdisciplinary graduate research com- conference on uh, Western campus. I also oversee you guys at GradCast, which is such a great time as the official radio and podcast of SOGS. I also get to work with the SOGS Peer Advisor for Academic Matters, so that's a lovely uh, volunteer that gets trained in the School of Graduate and Postdoctoral Studies academic policies and is here to assist all of our members just with inquiries about how you know the the back end of the system of the School of Grad Studies works. And then I do a lot of work with our sister organization uh, PSAC 610, which is the graduate teaching assistant union and postdoctoral union and bargaining team they're a great time to work with everything we do is academic so I just get to handle more of the traditionally academic events of the society I guess
1: (laughs) so I have a feeling that you're both underselling yourselves in your role here at SOG so um, what does a, a day-to-day look like? And and we'll start with Becky and then and then we'll go to Danica again.
2: Day-to-day really fluctuates. Like being an exec for SOGs definitely doesn't have a very standard day. It very much it depends on the situation and what kind of season we're in. Um, like for my role example, uh if it's budget season, I'm basically talking with our finance manager constantly about what we need to be spending money on as a society. How do we get enough revenue to support things like GradCast and all of our scholarships and bursaries and making sure that student money goes towards what we are prioritizing. Um, but on a, on a usual daily basis, if I had to make a, a specific kind of average day, <laughs> uh, a lot of email, <laughs> it never seems to end. Um, yeah, a lot of conversations with various committees, uh, coordination, basically as an exec, you're kind of the, the hub point of a lot of conversations and kind of direct outwards and help organize.
1: Well, that's amazing. Sounds like you give us the money that we need to run this podcast. So we're thankful <laughs> to you. Um, how about you, Danica?
3: Yeah, no, Becky made a great point in terms of, I think each VP's and the president's timeline is different. Um, So for me, the summer is more lax in terms of (laughs) when I have to put out fires and then September to April is just bananas. Typically end of the month and or during some of the more like peak intense times of the year, like around uh, courses and everything, like when they would have for the undergraduate academic timetable, like their exams, Uh, A lot of the TAs get really bogged down, and that further bogs them down on their own work. But this past year with COVID has been extra special uh, because I've been around the clock working with admin on all of the remote proctoring tools and bargaining, and that was very interesting (laughs) and informative and time-consuming. So yeah, extra fun this year because of COVID. (laughs) A day in the life I just put out fires I prioritize what's the most important thing that can't wait until tomorrow and then just knock them off and
0: so with putting out fires and since you sound like you both enjoy what you love like you you enjoy what you do how did you get involved with SOGS like is this a volunteer position you're dedicating both of you are in your PhDs I believe yeah. so um like time commitment, how did you, how did you get involved in the first place?
3: Go, oh, Becky. <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: I started
2: out participating on committees um, before I became VP, so I sat on um, grad club committee, uh, bursaries and subsidies, finance, sustainability, um, just because I thought those were all areas of interest and really wanted to give back to SOGS in some way. Um, I didn't start doing that until the second year of my master's because I had literally no idea what SOGS was until that point. Um, (laughs) Like I'm sure most of us have experienced coming into our grad programs, not really being sure what exactly SOGS is, but once you get into it, being like gung-ho about really driving into certain points of it at least. Um, And then that, I was on that for a good year and a half. And then some fun things happened in SOGS where our chairs disappeared. So I became chair for finance and grad club. And then the VP finance disappeared. (laughs) And so because I was in those chair positions, I was kind of next in line to take on that role. So I was the acting VP finance and decided that I liked it and wanted to continue. So ran for the role. And now I'm here a a year
3: and a bit later. It was a slow accumulation of Becky's domination (laughs) in the finance (laughs) sector. (laughs) She's great though. I started back in my master's uh, as a counselor and actually met my current fiance, then boyfriend, when we were counselors, which was, you know, cute, I guess. (laughs) And then we, yeah, meet cute was just being counselors and just learning about the dark underbelly of politics and stuff at the university. Um, And then in my PhD, I became more involved within my home department, but I had a good rapport with Uh, the VP academic that was in the position before I was elected into it, Joyla Ferlano. She was fantastic. Um, And my, again, fiance at the time was already on the executive. So I had like a decent understanding of how it worked. So I wasn't involved intensely at the committee level. I honestly took like a leap of faith and just went for an exec position because I had similar leadership roles prior to um, getting into my PhD. Um, So again, if that if the election didn't work out the way that it did, I definitely would have jumped on at the committee level and tried again. But I've been in the role now for uh, like with Becky, I'm going on in my second year. The first year, I guess was a big learning curve, but comfortable now and just looking to do more solid changes. You know, once you have an understanding of how things kind of work, then it just helps and frees up time to actually focus on other things
2: yeah I I second that learning curve of
3: coming coming into an exec
2: position and being like what's going on yeah (laughs) and really jumping in feet first and hoping that the water's not too deep
3: I didn't bring a (laughs) floaty
0: it's like that scene that like the show I think it's called uh community yep where he like walks in david glover like walks in and he like brings pizza and like everything's on fire you know like that very much
3: yeah
1: (laughs) 100 percent. so you know probably pre-pandemic maybe we had our floaties and and we were doing okay um and Danica, you touched on this and without you know getting into too too much of a specific you know events how has the pandemic uh you know really affected your role and Taken away those floaties, maybe, if you will.
3: Um, Becky, I'm going to jump in first. Just,
0: I'm
3: hmm. ready. Uh, no, it's a great question, France. With my role, at least, there's been so much support and/or just lobbying with the admin to get additional financial bursaries and/or compensation. I know Becky will talk about this in a minute, Um, just to give some kind of recognition that most grad students lost a full year of research, irrespective of the level they were at. doesn't matter if you were doing data collection, your analysis, the world changed and our research changed, but we were still expected to work and adjust to conditions. And that looked different for everybody. So part of that for me was just, listening to students and seeing how Western was responding and also where perhaps we could bridge the gap finance just being the bottom bottom tier of what we can do for them but then the second main thing that I kind of mentioned was the remote proctoring so that was introduced across most higher education institutions as a way to ensure academic integrity integrity sorry at the grad level it's perhaps not as relied upon given like the way our courses are structured and it's just a different nature of learning and studying and training at the undergraduate level though and for us who service teaching assistants we get in this weird space where and what I learned this past year was things like remote proctoring or surveillance tools can be supported by an institution like Western so they can recommend a tool But then it depends on the discipline a student is studying in the professor and their pedagogical tactics or how they want to approach, uh, you know, evaluations within their course. So for some disciplines, it's easier perhaps to pivot into project based learning outcomes or things that don't require intense surveillance, whereas perhaps in like the chemistry or applied mathematics that's not really an easy switch to make especially like in an ongoing climate and like educational environment where things are constantly changing so the one thing that I was spent a large time of the fall and winter on was sitting on the student privacy committee it's a subcommittee of senate and then I was lucky to be a part of along with undergraduate representatives and student senators Uh, to sit on the selection advisory committee for Western's remote proctoring tool. Uh, So we went through like a vendor selection and we weighed pros and cons of different tools and recommended it to Senate. And then Western made the decision based off of our recommendation to contract or keep uh, certain vendors that, you know, supply these kinds of tools. And again, that's just Western's tool that they're backing, but then it's up to academic freedom of professors whether or not they want to use those tools and if it's it makes the most sense to them within their discipline and course so my mind was blown because i didn't realize how complex everything was and it's not one thing for western to say we're going to mandate this tool you know they're recommending it it's backed by the university but it's just getting picked up in different contexts across it so i really felt for the tas who were struggling In courses where, again, they may have a great rapport with the professor, but maybe they just don't like the idea of remote proctoring. And then it becomes really hard when you're contractually obligated to work with someone and your income is tied to it. And this isn't throwing shade on those professors, it's just the reality of what it is. So, yeah, I just had a time and we're on the other side now, but we're heading into year two with a new tool at Western. So it's just going to be. Yeah, Becky's giving hands in the air. It's just going to be a party. Um, Becky, tell them all the the financial stuff. (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) Definitely was a bit of a mess at first because we didn't know. Yeah, it wasn't clear like coming into September, like if we were going to have to refund students some of the like uh, membership fee that they pay into SOGs, like should we be reducing that because we're not gonna have potentially as many services as we would normally offer, like with orientation and things like that, that a lot of money ends up going into. Um, So having conversations about that and whether we should be rejigging such a thing to kind of accommodate that was a large conversation that we had, but we really pushed through to make sure that things, kind of as normal as we could and really make sure that the experience that students had was still um, optimal because they're paying into it we want to make sure that membership money is going into things that the membership actually wants to see Uh, so that was a a big hurdle for COVID related things Um, but this year even with COVID continuing like because we put a lot well not a lot but a decent amount of money into in-person events, like with council, there's a certain amount of money that goes towards uh, feeding counselors to appreciate them for coming out to council. Of course, we haven't really been able to use that to the full extent. We did end up pivoting a little bit and providing uh, Uber Eats gift cards to our counselors to make sure that they could still enjoy some yummy goodies. So trying to shift where the funds would usually go and still keeping them in like the realm of what they would usually be used for has been a fun challenge to try and pivot around. Yeah, putting money into our more money into our bursary fund to make sure that students are supported. That was a a big item last year. We had a surplus, um, and so we ended up putting about $25,000 into the bursaries that graduate students could apply for. Um, That's something that I intend to uh, move again this year for council because although our year end isn't official, uh, counted yet, and audited, we're looking at we're going to be having a surplus of over (laughs) $100,000, so that it's quite a bit of money to move around and make sure that we can get supports going to those that need it. Uh, Yeah, looking at creating uh, an international uh, bursary specifically that's gonna help support international students if they still have to be quarantining when they come to Canada. Um, I know that that regulation is kind of changing and Western does have a program in place to support that, but it's only up to $2,000. So if we can help support that a little bit further, I think that would be appreciated by international students. Uh, And the biggest kicker has been (laughs) trying to navigate the, trying to navigate the grad club and it's fun on and off closures and staffing and (laughs) food costs and returning beer that we couldn't use. (laughs) Good, good times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah the grad club has definitely taken up quite a bit of my time during the pandemic and managing how we can stay afloat and make sure that our employees are also uh, still getting what they need and hopefully bringing back quite a few of them once we're able to open because they've been on the waiting on the sidelines for quite some time so I'm hoping that we can get our our regular crew back and have those familiar faces in the grad club again
0: it's amazing the pandemic can squeeze so much money out of a <laughs> out of a out of a budget, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, maybe a more lighthearted question. Uh, what's your favorite part about your positions? I know that you talked about the stressors and the the back end stuff putting out the fires, but really truly like what is your favorite part of this position?
2: It's going to sound so dorky, but I absolutely love like Excel spreadsheets and like putting all the nice like monthly spending in order and looking at the graphs and like pie charts. It's just like, ah, beautiful data. I love it so much.
0: (laughs) Excel spreadsheets are definitely a plus. I can can wholeheartedly agree with that. Yep. (laughs) Honestly,
3: like I am not a, I study tech, but I'm not like a techie person. (laughs) Honestly, my biggest gratification is being able to go in a room whether it's you know with administrators or like other colleagues and just like drop the critical hammer of like haven't you considered this like it just blows my mind that you know in in a school that's so highly regarded for uh, its graduate student work and like the potential of the new wave of researchers that again there's it's been a long uphill battle of getting supports and specific campus spaces and community networks and everything just for grad students like on the big scale like 30,000 undergrads to about like 6,000 graduate students on an annual basis so like we're a flash in the pan and then when it comes to administrative meetings there's always such like a very prominent undergrad voice which is important but then it's like hey there are 6,000 of us and we're so diverse and we come from different contexts and we all need different things so show up for us or why are we here (laughs) essentially so um, that's not to say that my perspective is all-inclusive and I'm on my shit 24-7 but but it's nice to be able to just like have some people step back and just actually pause or leave them speechless because it's like how have you been operating without considering this it's just on me. So I live for that meeting drama. <laughs> um,
1: you know, as, as both of you are describing this, I think one of the things that has my mind blown is that you're juggling all of these responsibilities while continuing to pursue your PhD and, and be full time students as well, um, which is a whole nother job. So what is what is it like, you know, balancing these responsibilities and um, you know these very much important roles, but also your very much important PhD degrees as well.
2: My, mine's a little a little complicated with my my supervisor relationship and my project and COVID. So I'll, I'll think on it a little bit, and you can go first. <laughs> okay, I
3: respect that. We'll do. I am learning as I go. I am not perfect. (laughs) Some days the balance is there, some days it doesn't exist and my own work takes a backseat. I'll be the first to admit that. I think in the broader context of how I've tried to go through my PhD so far and something that my supervisor has been supportive of but we still have frank conversations about timelines and my deadlines and everything is that the PhD is an opportunity learning and learning can take place in different contexts so I came into the PhD with just honestly I like leadership positions in terms of that's where my skill set is that's what I'm good at and if like I can be of service to anybody it's in that kind of capacity and I don't think I would be enjoying grad school as much if I didn't build in other components for things that make me happy that fulfill me in other ways that just focusing on a thesis wouldn't. Um, You're all here, you're all on GradCast, you're doing the co-host thing for a reason and like getting involved in meeting people is one of the benefits of juggling a VP role in SOGS and doing the PhD. Time management, again, I'll get better at it. Um, So, I'm not going to say something cheesy, like, you know, make time, but be realistic. And I've taken steps back from stuff because I've gotten overwhelmed in the last year and I just had to like readjust my priorities. So I'm rolling with the idea that the PhD will get done um, and recognizing that there's supports in place to help, but then I'm also not a unicorn and it's okay to not be a unicorn because (laughs) i can hold all these roles but like i don't have to be like awesome at it all the time um even with respect to my own research like i'm only human so it's kind of how i i get through a day-to-day wearing hats so many hats (laughs) becky hit us with the truth Yeah,
2: definitely would agree with you that you wear a lot of different hats when you're trying to manage the exact role and your PhD and all your other extracurriculars on top of that and your personal life. Like definitely you gotta be (laughs) a little bit critical of how you're managing your time and making sure that things are being prioritized as much as possible. Obviously nobody's perfect at that. I'm definitely not, (laughs) I've defaulted more towards Um, The exact position over this past year, especially because of COVID, uh, my project was essentially put on hold. I was right about to start data collection and I work with older adults and do imaging. And so essentially Western put the big old brakes on that and said, nope, you can't work with a vulnerable population. You can't do your study. And I was like, okay, well then I guess I'll do some reading and get my comps done in that time. So I have been able to do some progress in terms of milestones. But it definitely has been kind of a blessing in disguise that I was able to kind of shift my focus towards the VP stuff and not have to necessarily worry too much about the PhD component because COVID has put such a damper on it. But my supervisor has been supportive in as much as they can be with you know making sure that Uh, still meeting certain deadlines, but also saying like, oh, yes, take those leadership opportunities, like build your CV, build those uh, like soft skills that you when you can. So it's been great. But in terms of time commitment, I (laughs) honestly don't know how anybody took on this role before the salary increase came into place, because it is an exorbitant amount of time for how much were being compensated previously so i tip my hat to the previous vps for the amount of work that they put in and and for so little feedback and (laughs) compensation
3: absolutely
1: (laughs)
0: um i believe that you mentioned this uh earlier in uh i think becky mentioned it how um people kind of like disappeared and then positions came and you know um things were created and things kind of went off the deep end a little bit. Um, How do you think the SOGS dynamic has changed with a new presidency, new leadership, Um, not to talk poorly about the people that were in the positions before, but how do you think the dynamic has changed now that there's, we talked about the, there was the president's episode and they talked about that. Um, So yeah. What do you think of the dynamic and how it's changed?
3: I think every, leader comes into their role with an approach to labor and how they understand labor, how they carry their interpersonal interactions. And it's always gonna be different based off of who's in the role. No one's ever gonna do the same role. Um, And between the years we SOGS as an organization has gone through so many challenges the student choice initiative being one that the previous exec handled and made it through our iteration of exec and this president really picked up during the intensity of COVID and I think especially given the pandemic circumstances there's just been much more levity and forgiveness in terms of where we're putting our efforts and resources and just understanding that some things have to stall, some changes perhaps just have to be made because it just makes sense and it's maybe the most empathetic thing to do. Very much the year of things get done when it gets done
2: <laughs> as our, our motto has been very frequently. But with, with the amount of turnover that happens with all the exec positions, very, very rarely, I will say, that execs continue on in their role. Like it's almost every year that there's a new president, there's new VPs. So I am highly impressed that anything ever actually gets done at SOGS with the amount of turnover and new leadership ideas and projects and pet things that people want to do. So I, I give pats on the back to SOGS as a whole for
0: getting things done. Alright, um, so we are actually just uh, out of time, so we want to thank you for, for coming on to our show. Um, is there any way that we could reach you um, through SOGS or um, your email or anything else like that?
3: Yeah, uh, you can reach me at academic at SOGS.ca, hit me up on Twitter at DFACS, If you like dark academia, you can find me on the Instagram.
2: (laughs) Not a huge social media user, but you can find me and contact me through my SOGS email, which
0: is finance at (laughs) SOGS.ca. This has been a great episode. Thanks again for coming on. And this has been Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Reese Patterson, and my co-host
1: has been Francesco Colosimo.
0: And we've been speaking with Danica and Becky. Um, and this episode was produced by Laura. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night.